Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to a special bonus episode of the Locked On Flyers podcast, the Locked On Women's Hockey Edition. I am Rachel Donner here as always with Russ Cohen. And on this episode, we're bringing you a couple of things. Audio from the USA Hockey Women's National Team press conference that followed the roster announcement at the Winter Classic. And then a roundtable that was hosted by Erica Ayala from Locked On Seattle Kraken. It featured myself as well as Ann Kimmel from the Locked On Predators podcast and Jess Balmasto from the Locked On Flames podcast. And Russ, uh, why don't you tee up the press conference? Yeah, it was a really good call. It had the coaching staff. It had, you know, repeat players like, Kendall Coyne, uh, Schofield, and Brianna Decker, Hillary Knight. Uh, just always a pleasure to, to listen to them, but I'm always looking for insight into what makes them tick, how they keep winning, how do you train during these times, because you know, you're hoping you're going to the Olympics, you're training like you're going to the Olympics, they're getting close now, it seems like there'll be uh, the games in the Olympics, so... But, you know, maybe six months ago, it didn't seem that way. So there's a lot of different things there. They've got a target on their back as the as the winner. So that's a thing. You know, you know Canada is always chasing you. Uh, of course. <laughs> but but this team is a team of winners. And then they have some young talent mixed in now. And so I think it's really the perfect opportunity to have the veterans teach the younger players the finer points of international play with a lot of pressure on you. They're used to having uh, the spotlight on them. They're going to be the number one draw for hockey. There's no question. Maybe uh, not in China, but certainly in this country, in Canada, I would guarantee you the the women's games will be amazing. And then the U.S. does face Canada. Watch out. That'll be uh, record-breaking numbers again. So that's, you know, they, they know they have the pressure, but they've been able to deal with the pressure, and I give them a lot of credit for that. That's fantastic. Well, without further ado, here is that audio. You're going to hear from team general manager Katie Million, head coach Joel Johnson, players Kendall Coyne, Brianna Decker, Hillary Knight, and Lee Stecklin. Hi, thank you. Rachel Blount from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. My question also is for Katie. I'm if you could tell us what exactly will the team be doing over these next few weeks to prepare for the Olympics before you get on that plane in terms of games, scrimmages, practices, other activities? And have you had to change any of your plans because of concern that somebody might have a positive test and, and not be able to get on the plane? Thanks, Rachel. Great to great to talk with you again. Um, you know, our uh, entire residency has um, been adapting and adjusting um, right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we, we right now today, we're actually supposed to be in Canada playing games and obviously that didn't happen. So we're, uh, we're definitely pivoting a lot, um, adapting and adjusting, as I, as I said. Um, so our, our plan now for throughout the rest of our uh, residency and until we go to Beijing is to continue to practice 
Thanks. Um, Joel and the coaching staff have uh, have great plans for for the group um, with on on and off ice sessions. Um, we're also really gearing up with a lot of meetings and things like that um, as we get closer and closer. Meetings with the USOPC, our mental performance coaches, our um, USADA, all kinds of different um, calls that are, are definitely coming up. And then we also do have a scheduled break in there for our players too. So. Um, um, although it's uh, only a, a few weeks away, we are, um, you know, so close to the to getting on that plane and, and going to Beijing, and we know it's going to go by really fast. And uh, we, but we we uh, we're 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 feeling good about it and uh, excited to get there. Awesome. Uh, next, we are going to go to Brian Mudrick. Okay, great. This question is for Joel, if I may, for Coach. Uh, Coach Brian Mujer from TSN in Canada. I'm just curious, now that you have your roster and you know the team you're going with, can you just give us some insight on the strengths of the team that you have? Obviously, a lot of leadership and some things uh, on ice that, that you want to maybe improve on as you get ready for uh, game number one. Well, I think the, the, the thing that I would say to you is, um, Brian, if, if you want to look at our, our leadership strengths, look at the people on the, on the Zoom call. Um, you know, Lee and, and Kendall and Brianna and, and Hillary are, are examples of, of people we've trusted for years, and they're going to continue to prove to be unbelievable leaders for us going forward. When you talk about on-ice weaknesses or things we'd like to improve on, everything. We'd like our power play to be better. We'd like our penalty kill to be better. We'd like to score more goals. We'd like to not give up as many goals. Um, I, I'm, I'm so incredibly impressed with where our team is at right now that I'm not worried about what we're not good at. I'm just trying to uh, encourage our team with what we're great at. And so as we go in, um, we'll certainly scout opponents. We'll certainly figure out what we need to try to tweak. But uh, I'm just excited for our group. And, um, you know, some of us are in the same facility right now on a different Zoom call, and I can't wait to just go high-five them and say, hey, we're ready to go. And so, uh, so I feel like uh, any team that goes to, to the Olympic Games should be feeling really confident, and that's how I feel. I know our staff feels the same way, and I'm excited to go. Uh, Andrew Mahoney from the Boston Globe. This is for uh, Kendall and, and Hillary, if you want to comment, too. Just going back to uh, your time in Boston, um, you know, Kendall, you and, um, you and Haley were teammates at Northeastern, and then you were obviously were playing against Alex and Megan at BC. Um, Hillary, you were playing professionally. Just what was it like to be playing in Boston at that time? Do you guys have any you know, fond memories of, of your time in Boston? And, and... Uh, yeah, I, I loved my uh, four or five years uh, at Northeastern University. I miss it, miss it every day. It was uh, some of the best years of my life. I love the city of Boston. And I think a lot of our team has, has spent a lot of time in the New England area. Our team resided out of there in, in 2014 in the Bedford area. Um, so I think this, this group has spent a lot of time in New England, um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in Boston, still keep in touch with, with my coach, you know, a lot of follow the team, um, follow the Northeastern team a lot. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was great. I know the bean pot will be going on, uh, when, when we're overseas. So I'll definitely be tuning in and, and rooting for the, rooting for the Huskies from afar and excited for the, um, you know, that there will be four of us uh, competing in the women's tournament on, on three different nations, which is, which is great for the program. Yeah, I don't really know what else to add. I, I love the city of Boston. Um, I called it home for about six years and um, got pretty familiar with, with people there and have longtime friends that continue to live there. And it's just wonderful sports city, great town, um, great food, 
it's just, I, I love it there. So I'm really happy to have had the experience to be able to play professionally there for that amount of time. Well, Jeff Seidel from the Detroit Free Press for uh, Joel. I want to ask you about two uh, Michigan women. Um, Meg Keller, how has she grown and matured since 2018? And Abby Rock, um, what does she bring to the program? You know, Megan Keller is somebody who I've known since, um, man, she, you know, we spent time together when she was, I think, 15, 16 years old here in Blaine, and she didn't make a national team for her first time. And, and I remember talking to Megan and saying, hey, you're going to be there. And, uh, and it's just been a privilege to watch her grow. Um, and she's one of the most dynamic women's hockey players in the world right now. Um, when you watch her play, the way she controls the ice, you know, with the puck or without the puck as a defenseman is, is pretty spectacular. And, and as far as Abby, um, another person that I've had the privilege and opportunity to know since she was younger, um, I, I've known her and her family uh, to see her journey go through um, all of the pieces of, of life uh, and, and, and recruited and into different various programs and then national team exposure. And, and um, she's just somebody that, that my favorite memory of Abby is, uh, you know, I, I walked up to her once and said, hey, you're not going to play here in, in four on four in this overtime because um, because of these reasons. And then but I said, be, be ready to be ready to win it for us in a shootout. And sure enough, uh, you know, 10 minutes later, she wins, she wins it for us in a shootout. And, and, and so, so you're talking about two players who have had incredible success as um, USA players at the youth level, um, at the national level, at the college level, and now at the national team and potentially Olympic level. So um, I can't say enough about both Megan and Abby. Um, they're, they're fantastic people on the ice, but more importantly, there are people who, uh, who live life the right way off the ice and, and they bring a smile to everybody else on the Zoom call. I think if you ask everybody else, uh, there's some way that Abby Rock and, and Megan Keller bring a smile to, to, to all of us. And that's an important part of being a great team. Awesome, next we're gonna go to Scott Charles. For Kendall and Hillary, um, have you guys, how has the mindset changed for this Olympics from instead of chasing the gold medal to defending the gold medal and having that target on your back? Uh, can you just describe that process and mindset for both of you? Yeah, I think um, there's every time you enter into a tournament, you have to earn the right to put yourself in a position to win a medal. And I don't think that's ever changed throughout the years, regardless if we won four years ago or 20 years ago. You still enter a tournament with a clean slate and you have to work your way through the tournament to try and put yourself in a position to succeed and win the last game of the season. So from, from that point of view, it's like just go out there and, and do our job and, and show up and compete and um, we should be in a good position. I don't know how I could say it any better. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next, we're going to Lane Higgins. Hey there, this question is for both Katie and some of the veterans of the Olympic teams. But, um, you know, with the juniors world championship getting canceled for the second year in a row and some of these friendlies against Canada also getting canceled by COVID, plus, you know, all of the crazy ways that COVID has affected the hockey season for um, at the collegiate level, in some ways, you know, has that made the building the pipeline challenging? And, you know, what does it say about either, you know, USA Hockey's commitment to the women's game, um, you know, more broadly that some of these opportunities are not, you know, materializing for the women and still there at times for the men? Yeah, Lane, thanks 
Thanks for that question. Obviously, anytime we lose um, an opportunity for one of our teams to compete, it's uh, it, it, it hits home hard for us. Um, as I said, losing an opportunity, whether it's ours to play against Hockey Canada or like the U18 um, team now being canceled for two years in a row, it's it's uh, it's definitely definitely challenging for us, as, as you said, for the development piece of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a challenge for us, but um, you know, we're, we're excited about the programs that we can have um, with our U18 teams. And we're, we are hopeful that uh, certainly the, the IIHF is, is reconsidering their stance on that. And we'll look at the calendar to, to hopefully reschedule. Obviously our, our games with Hockey Canada, um, you know, those aren't something that we're going to get back, but it's just fuel for our fire. And we're, we're ready to face them in Beijing. Hi, it's Alan Addis from the uh, Olympic Information Service. I'd like this question to go to Joel and maybe Brianna. Uh, picking up on how the bullseye is on the back of the Americans this year as compared to previous years and previous Olympics, is there a fear factor? Is it a hot goaltender you're worried about maybe facing or a team pulling off an upset and having momentum going into a crucial game against the Americans? Is there a fear factor in this tournament? Ellen, I'll go first. I, I, I can't speak for Brianna, but I'll, I'll just say from, from our point of view as a, a staff, we're worried about ourselves. And I, I, you know, there's always a fear factor in hockey of a hot goaltender. There's always a fear factor of somebody that you run into that you, you can't figure out. But I think the, the past success of USA Hockey has been to play the way that they're supposed to play. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to identify what's best for our group. How do we look when we're at our best? And we're going to try to play that way. And I'm sure, you know, Finland's doing that. Swiss is doing that. Russia's doing that. Canada's doing that. I, everybody's doing that. And, uh, and so at this point, we're not about scouting our opponents pre-tournament. We're about making sure we're at our best. And so when we can figure out when we're at our best, I, I just have a lot of confidence in our group. Does that mean we're guaranteed to win? No, but I just feel like we are in a great spot when we feel confident about who we are. And so that, that's how I would answer that question. We're not scared of anything. No chance. Uh, what we are concerned with is making sure we're doing everything we can to be at our best. Uh, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it over to, to Brianna to see what she says. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had the same thoughts as coach there as far as one thing that hasn't changed about this team, especially in the last four or five years, is that we all always focus on ourselves um, and how can we get better every single day to be at our best when we need to be our best in that gold medal game. Um, and so right now, that's what we're doing, focusing on ourselves, um, figuring out how we can be better every single day. Awesome. Next, we're going to go to Todd Maluski. Moments that we can point to to shape our career. Is that, is that, that the question? Did. Yeah, sorry. I, sorry if my microphone wasn't working there. You know, I, I think it starts uh, from the, the youth level, right? And uh, being able to have access to this great sport that we, we all have um, grown to love and um, has given us these amazing journeys. And so from there, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to tip my hat and credit the University of Wisconsin and, and Mark Johnson and uh, the coaching staff there for giving me the foundation to succeed at the next level and make the jump to be as good as I can be for this team. Um, and then obviously the the continuous development uh, within this program that, um, you know, whether that's the self-motivation or teammates uh, motivating you or, or coaching staff to just get better every single day. That's, it's such a natural part of this process, but um, there's 
many, many, many people that I think each one of us could thank. Um, and if, if we had the time to thank each person from the person who sharpened our skates to the one who taught us how to lift the puck to our collegiate coaches uh, and so on and so forth to our families and friends who, who make sacrifices for us to be in these positions. Um, not one is greater than the other, but um, there's definitely a handful of moments that I can attribute to, to being able to sit right now on this Zoom call and, and be a part of this team. So extremely grateful for this opportunity. Yeah, Hillary. Um, yeah, I agree with you as far as, you know, I look at my younger years. Um, it was my brothers who pushed me to the next level. Um, and then obviously, as you get older, I went to high school at Shattuck St. Mary's. And I would say that was a pivotal moment in my career going to Shattuck. I give a lot of credit to the staff there and the players that I was surrounded by. I look at, you know, Amanda Kessel still on, <laughs> still playing with her on the team and we went to high school together. Um, but again, yeah, University of Wisconsin, too, was everything to me. And they did a lot for my growth as well. But I look at the national team right now. Um, we all are players who we are because of who we get to practice against every single day and who we're surrounded by as far as coaches and who they push us every single day to be at our best. So um, we're very fortunate, but we're, we wouldn't be here without everybody who has helped us along the way. Awesome. Next, we're going to go to Nick Sicardi. Hi, this is for Joel. Um, do you have a number one goalie right now? And if you do and you're able to share, can you, you know explain why uh, she's in that spot? Thanks, Nick. Uh, we don't have a number one goalie. We've got three great goaltenders and that, uh, Sounds like a little bit of a, 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 an easy answer, but I'm telling you, as we've gone through our, our residency, we feel so confident in Nicole and Alex, I mean, and Maddie, and, and, I mean, every day in practice, our players are so frustrated that they can't score on, on all three of them. So um, we, we've got an incredible privilege to have three great goaltenders who love playing the game, but want to get better every single day. And so I, I, if you, if you're looking for a number one, uh, maybe you can ask uh, somebody else someday what they think. But as far as the coaching staff is concerned, um, we feel like we've got great confidence in all three of our goaltenders on the roster right now. And we can't wait to play whatever our next game is and whoever gets to have that opportunity to play in net because we're confident in all three of them. Awesome. Um, next question. We're going to go to Cheryl Pounder. Sorry, Melissa. Well, first of all, congratulations to everyone. Um, great stuff and I'm sure you're all very excited right now um, this question is going to be uh, for for Brianna um, you know all of you all of you women have have improved and matured over the course of your careers I actually think you're getting better um, but what would your advice having had coached uh, at the u18 level uh, someone like Caroline Harvey um, you know what would your advice to her as a young rookie on the blue line um, and, and what should what should the public be looking for with so many eyes on the women's game and you've all promoted it so well um, on your platforms? You know, what are the things that they can expect from some of the youth that are coming up in their skills? Honestly, it's no secret that some of these young kids coming up are more skilled than half of us older players. Um, like individual skills, it's incredible. I think someone like Carolyn, um, to be specific, um, her mobility as a defenseman is incredible to watch. Um, it's very fun to play with as an offensive player. So, um, but I look at our youth and they play like they're veterans. They play like they've been around the program for five, six years. And so from people who are going to be watching our team compete at the Olympics, um, I think they're not going to notice who's been around for the, their fourth time or their first time. And that's something special about this team. All right. That was fantastic. Now coming up next will be that locked on women's hockey panel discussion. Got beard? Get primal. 
You heard me right. Got beard? Get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils are renowned as the best feel in beer products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make a great gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Most companies focus on fragrance first, and that leads to a product that does not feel good on the skin. We took a step back and focused on the ingredients first to ensure a product that feels great and still smells fantastic. We know every company claims to be the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in beer to the other companies you've used. We promise you will see the difference. Remember the code locked on gets you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. Use the code locked on at checkout for 20% off. Here with a very special panel of locked on hosts, holding it down for women's hockey, we have Jess Belmosto from Locked on Flames. We have Ann Kimmel from Locked on Predators and Rachel Donner, Locked on Flyers. The ladies holding it down for women's hockey. We are going to be talking about the women's national team. The roster has been announced for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And uh, we have some of us that have been in the thick of women's hockey, uh, some of us that are new to hockey, but all of us that are very much excited for what is to come for all of USA hockey in Beijing, China. And we're going to get to that because we didn't really get what we wanted, but that's why we're here. So let's start, Rachel, with you. Your thoughts on the women's national team that was announced. We got 23 players that were named, eight are first timers. And then you have, as a lot of people like to say, the GOAT. Hillary Knight becoming one of only four U.S. women to compete in four Olympic Games. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting mix because, you know, with everything in this old guard, right, like your Hillary Knight, your Kendall Coyne, Schofield, it's sometimes hard for the newer faces to break through. And I think to have as many new players on this team as there are is really good for the American women's hockey landscape. Um, I was especially excited for Savannah Harmon, uh, defender, uh, mostly because I had no idea that she was the first Clarkson player to ever make the U.S. women's Olympic squad. And I cannot believe that is true, but it is. And so I'm excited for her and for that program. You know, she won two national championships there. She was, I think, in the Patty Kaz conversation at least once, uh, which is like the MVP award for women's hockey players in NCAA hockey every year, at, uh, if you're not familiar with that award. And so, yeah, she's like the one that I'm most excited to see what she does out there. Yeah, absolutely. And Jess, we were talking a little bit about New England off air before we got here, but yes. uh, also BU has, I believe, their first ever Olympian as well that made this roster. But uh, just the same question, what has stood out to you from the roster announcement? You know, I think that obviously 
eight new faces is huge. And like Rachel was saying, to be able to crack that roster is an accomplishment of its own. And um, especially with the limited hockey that has been played on a, you know, an international scale and kind of getting familiar with the players has been hard and for myself included because I'm I my time is limited like many other people and I I can't always go out of my way to find a stream through a ring doorbell to watch (laughs) a a game and um you know I think uh Jessie Comfer is gonna look fantastic out there and I I think she's great and I'm so excited and Anne, we brought you on because we, again, are going to talk a- about all of the people that will represent the United States in Beijing, China, between the Olympics and Paralympics. But we also are so excited to bring you into the women's hockey fold. So what were some of your reactions to the announcement of the women's national team roster? So for me, as somebody who is just on the cusp of heaven help them jumping into women's hockey it's, I'm going to be a mess in the best way possible about this. So I was really excited to hear this announcement. There were, of course, some names that I think are very familiar. I love that there are eight new players. And for me, it's fun because I'm like, there are so many from which to choose, you know, a favorite, or there's so many that are going to be new information, new people to talk about, new players. Um, But I felt like I didn't get nearly the information from the announcement as um, a super excited, almost, uh, you know, almost their fan. And so that part was a little bit frustrating. Anything that I kind of garnered from it was something was um, online after the announcement. So The actual announcement itself was um, a little bit of a disappointment as somebody who really wants to open this door and like jump in on this. So that part was a disappointment. Yeah. So you know what? We're just going to get right to that because I do want (laughs) to break down this roster, especially um, some players that were not on 2018 roster that are back um, and ooh, do I have thoughts about that? But um, Rob Stauber, ooh, that name. Um, but um, and you mentioned you're a new fan, wanting mm-hmm. to get into the women's hockey. Excited yes. that the national team would be announced during the NHL Winter Classic, and then you got a big goose egg. Rachel, Nothing. what happened on TNT? I it, it was one of the most baffling things that I have ever seen because so the TNT broadcast cuts to Jennifer Botterill who's at the little ponds they had outside of the main rink at uh, the Winter Classic in Minnesota and you know I think she's just going to do a brief little we're so excited we're going to get to hear these names and then cut to the announcement and then she keeps talking And they keep asking her questions. And she says, oh, you're going to hear cheers in the background for the locals from Minnesota. And I was like, in the background? What? And they just kept talking through the entire announcement, talking about the USA-Canada rivalry, which at this point, who cares? This is all about USA and these players and their moment to shine. And you took that away from them. 
Yeah, that was wild to me. And and you were just recently on Locked on Kraken where you talked about your predictions for this lead hockey roster, but we also talked about the rivalry between the United States and Canada and sled hockey. So could you even imagine a retired sled hockey player from the Canadian national team talking <laughs> over the announcement, the roster announcement in which eight new players are mentioned? Could you even imagine something like that? I can't imagine any of the U.S. men's Paralympic team allowing a Canadian (laughs) player within a 50-mile radius, not in a sled, ready to be hit. It was bizarre to me. I can't, I, I truly will say, I can't understand. It's something that's been marked. You know, they said, hey, coming up, we're going to announce. But that did not happen. There was no announcement. And to have it happen in the background while stories are being told about the glory days just um it was so disappointing as somebody who was there for information as somebody who was there for names as somebody who was there for give me any interesting tidbit i am so interested to hear who these people are where they've come from you know their background you know what position they play give you know give me all the stuff and really and truly i left that I saw picture, you know, I saw them, but I didn't have any names to go with faces. I didn't have any positions to go with names. I didn't have any idea of where they had played before, who was returning, who wasn't. So it was so disappointing. It was so disappointing as somebody who is so ready to be a women's hockey, like I'm so ready to be a women's hockey fan. And I left something that was supposed to be for them with no knowledge. None. That's really unfortunate. And this is something that in an email, USA Hockey said 2022 U.S. Olympic women's ice hockey team set to be announced at NHL Winter Classic. Now, just as a refresher, in the great state of New York in 2018, uh, the Winter Classic was held at the amazing stadium that is City Field. Uh, Still like Shea Better as a name, maybe if not in function, but that's a story for another podcast. In 2018, I'm a brand new hockey fan about three years into the game because of my exposure to the women's game in the National Women's Hockey League, which of course is now the PHF. And I remember very clearly that the captains of all three USA teams were present. At at minimum, it was the captains. So you had Megan Duggan, uh, that guy who used to be on the Rangers, and then and who was the captain in 2018? I for, I I, honestly I think know. it I think it was Josh Pauls, but I would have to confirm that okay. he has been captain for a couple years. But I think it was Josh okay. Pauls. So very new to the hockey. So mm-hmm. sorry to those men. I don't know who you are, but um, <laughs> congratulations, you, you did great. You did great. Killed it. You, you were amazing, sweetie. Um. So, but I remember I was like there for the women's announcement, and I got all of Team USA. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I got to learn about some of the hockey players. That's how I learned how Greenway was going to be like the the first black player for USA hockey, which I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, what? Again, a story for another podcast. But that's not what we got, Jess, in 2022. No. And it makes me sick. Like as a fan, it it makes me so upset because it's like you want – more people to grow the game you want people to be exposed to it and then like pr me who was like okay we're selling this product 
we want people to buy into this. Where was USA Hockey's PR person to pull up those stats that, that I can easily find online? Me. You know, usually it'll say, like, oh, Erica Ayala from uh, Boston University, uh, two-time champion, national championship, whatever. And then, like, a fun fact about you. Something. There was nothing. And it was just, it makes no sense to me why you wouldn't go out there and put your best product forward. And players talk about how proud they are to represent their country, to wear a jersey with their country's name on it. And you just disappoint them when you don't, I don't, like, I don't even know what the word is. Like, not sell them, but, you know, hype them up. Like, this is a fantastic roster and even for all the other where where are the other rosters on top of this like wh- what are we doing I don't even know when the Olympics are is this in like two weeks three weeks 32 days by the time 32 days so we're, we're coming down to the wire yeah and there's no information it's it's remarkable in the worst way possible yeah. truly truly remarkable and yet somehow I am disappointed in myself because I have spoken on Locked on Kraken how I watched not even 10 minutes of a TNT broadcast and realized very quickly it was not for me because the first time I ever watched a TNT broadcast, Wayne Gretzky talked through not one but two goals in live action. So That is true. That happened. I don't even – I couldn't even tell you what he was saying. Um, because that's not what I was there for. I was there to watch the game. And yes, people like a Wayne Gretzky, any analyst or play-by-play person, well, analyst in particular, you bring them in for their energy or for the the historical context um, with which they bring to the game. Yes, that's what an analyst does, but not at the cost of the game itself. That's not what that's not what we're there to do. So that was very, very troubling. But fret not, everyone from the Locked On family, between the four of us, we are going to appropriately celebrate the roster that we did get. Yes. And with the help of Anne, do our best to celebrate the rosters that are to come. So let's let's get down to this because even though TNT fumbled the bag and did not understand the assignment, it sounded like target field. They did. And one of the cool things is that USA Hockey, uh, the day after the Winter Classic or sometime after, uh, they put out the video. And um, so when Jen Broderill is talking about the crowd noise, you can't really hear the crowd noise in the video that they posted, which is unfortunate. But what you can see are just like the faces, especially of those with Minnesota ties. And just in their reactions, I feel like they felt the crowd, even if we can't hear it in the video. So let's go with Rachel. Who was your favorite uh, or who had your favorite reaction um, from the crowd shot that USA and the USA hockey video that was put out? I think it was Caroline Harvey. 
she was kind of a deer in headlights and you could see it when Savannah Harmon was getting introduced. You could see her in the background, like total deer in headlights. And then all of a sudden the camera was on her and then she started smiling in this like really awkward smile and waving. And I just was like, yes, this is the moment. This is your moment. (laughs) It was very funny. It was very funny. Yeah. That was a good one. Jess, how about you? Who was your favorite? You know, I'm going to have to piggyback off of Rachel because like it's as somebody who does not know how to like introduce myself or like celebrate myself in like those situations I would probably be doing something very similar (laughs) I am going to divert a little bit here although I do think that was a great there were a bunch of great reactions but my personal favorite was Grace Zumwinkle first time uh named for the first time to an Olympic team and she just like you know was just like like doing that laugh where you just like can't stop shaking your shoulders and waving and it was the cutest thing now and we know that you don't know the names of most of the players um and fortunately TNT didn't help with that but if you were able to see that video uh was there any moment in that video that stood out to you you know what's so funny that stood out to me the most in that whole video, and this sounds really hokey, but it's just what's real, is the girls behind the the women stick tapping. And I was like, oh, yeah. come on. I loved that. And I'm thinking, can you imagine being one of the young girls chosen to stand there while Olympians are introduced in front of you and you get to stick tap for them. Like there is something so beautiful about watching something like Olympians through the eyes of future Olympians or people who understand and have a reverence for what it takes to do that. And so for me, you know, the mom and me was just like, that is so beautiful. Let's look at this next generation who someday may be the ones who say, I was standing there when these women were introduced for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And now here I am like, I just loved that. Yeah. And you know why I think that's important. Um, even though I have talked critically about the hashtag my why tour and stuff like that mm-hmm. on this podcast is because what TNT did give us was, uh, like maybe 60 seconds or so of a feature on Hillary Knight. Although they didn't provide the context that this will be her fourth Olympic team, which would have been helpful for people like Anne who, you know, might've seen her on SNL, but really don't know why she's talking. Anyway, I digress. But what Hillary Knight shared, and it's a story that she's told before, is that she remembers telling her grandmother that she was going to be an Olympian and she was going to play hockey at the Olympics. And at the time that she told her grandmother that women hadn't even competed in their first Olympic tournament. And she told her grandmother that she was going to do it and she did it. And she now is one of, again, just a handful, less than a handful of women who have represented the United States at at four Olympic Games. Like that is why. That is the my why, right? That's why representation matters. And so, again, without the context, without the full context on the TNT broadcast, you really miss an opportunity, you miss an opportunity to tell someone growing up in Idaho like Hillary Knight did, you know, however many years ago that, yeah, this is something that you can do. And here are some of the names of people that you should investigate to figure out how they got there so that you can, you know, find some tips and do the same. So that's, I think, what 
is so disappointing on top of the fact that it's almost expected, not almost, it is expected that women's hockey is going to get the short end of the stick. Um, even when it's a national team that is right. a gold medal winning championship team from the last Olympics. Here's the final part of that panel discussion. And just as a quick note, we get a little bit into the sled hockey team and how that ropes into the bigger discussion of the Olympic team announcements, as well as a little bit about the men's team. Also of note, uh, Jess Balmasto mentions the coach of the men's team with a scandal about it. Uh, she is referring to actually the GM of the team, John Van Beesbrook. Oh, and I feel like yeah. you might know something about that. The disrespect, as we say mm -hmm. in the WNBA, particularly the Connecticut, like CT, get it? CT. Anyway. They go so hard on that. It is hilarious. Anyway, but in that's not the only team that is representing the United States in China that has an Olympic gold medal from 2018 that at least the women were kind of sort of there. But mm -hmm. what hockey, where are they at? Do we even know who's on the roster? So, yeah, I was waiting with bated breath, you know, say, okay, well, that didn't go great with the women. Maybe they'll bring the sled hockey team out. And I kept looking in the background like any anybody, and there was nothing. And so I reached out to a couple of my, my sled hockey friends that I have not heard back yet. Um, logistically, I understand that um, the sled hockey team has a little bit longer to submit their official roster because the Paralympics start in the beginning of March. So they have a little bit more time. And I will tell you that they like to take as much time as they can because there is so much depth in the sled hockey community to really pick their people. Now, I don't think you have to be Scooby-Doo to figure out Josh Pauls, who was, you know, the captain last year, is I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say he's going to be on the team. And so for me, as somebody who feels like this is the same, you know, this is a group of men, a group of men, that's for another um, podcast, perhaps. Yeah. Part uh, three. But this is a, our part, part three, three. <laughs> part three. This is a, another group of athletes who are going to represent this country in international competition. And they're really great at it. You know, they won in an just an absolute thriller of an overtime match against Canada for the gold medal in 2018. They won at the World Championships in 2021 after losing their very first game to Canada in that competition and came back and won against Canada in the gold medal match. This is a group of athletes who are ready to represent this nation in a very competitive sport and a super exciting sport and it was there was just nothing and so for me it was frustrating and I also don't like I just don't want to see this um delineation between Olympics and Paralympics because what you have are just phenomenal professional well amateur in theory but athletes who are committing their lives to competing for this country and to not have that be there and be represented and be celebrated at the same time for me was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But we will have that roster. When that roster comes out, you all will know. And we will break <laughs> it all down. Hashtag squadcast. That's um, right. But just and I really appreciate 
that comment about not delineating between the yes. Olympics and the Paralympics. I think, um, you know, I lived in Salt Lake City at the time of the 2002 Olympics. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I took out of it, having been in and around the games for the full breadth of it. And that mm -hmm. the excitement was just as high for the Paralympics. Yeah. And, and I think it's important. Yeah. And the, the amount of time and investment and training. And I mean, it's just astounding to me that people might not view the Paralympics as uh, um, athletes who are as invested in their craft and in their sport, because um, these, these sled hockey players are all in. So yeah, I, that's a, that's a one for me where I really, I thought I love the idea of the Olympic teams and the Paralympic teams being announced together, but that didn't happen at all. <laughs> but uh, what we did see is that all of those rosters were announced together and there were mm -hmm. highlights from all three uh, U.S. teams that would be again representing at the Winter Games, uh, the Olympics and Paralympics, and we missed that. But another piece of this equation, and I mean, I guess we all talk about men's hockey on our daily podcast, so we should maybe talk about the men too because equality. Um, anyway, uh, I, I was trying so hard to say that with a straight face, and and then I, I broke, I broke. Anyway, um, <laughs> but Jess, we don't have the men's roster either. We no. do know that um, NHL players are not going. So at least for the Kraken, that means that uh, for Philip Grubauer and Alexander True, who's in our um, in our feeder system, that they will not have the opportunity to represent their respective countries. Um, but when do you think we're going to get that uh, men's roster? Like, you know, TikTok here. Yeah. I don't like part of me thinks that it was delayed because they were waiting for this COVID situation with the NHL to sort itself out. And because the NHL promised the players, yes, you're going because we put you in bubble cities and that's what, you know, and now it's been taken away and whatever, whatnot. Um, I think maybe there was some sort of hopefulness that they would still get the NHL players but I would I would say hopefully by the end of this or this week or next week because I don't know I, I don't know who these players are I, I don't they might like to practice I yeah that that too that might be important uh, especially before going across the world well and I know coaching staffs too um Ooh. predators head coach John Hines was supposed to travel to the Olympics and do some assistant coaching there. You know, my heart goes out to whoever they recruit now to do some coaching because, you know, you talk about being kind of under the gun to get get the team together and get it moving and get it coached and, and kind of systems updated on the same direction. I mean, this is going to be a, a challenging role for anybody. Right. And I mean, the head coach of the U.S. men's team is should be banned from hockey um, to begin with. And then... You have the former coach who was um, also involved in a cover-up. And then the coach before him was also involved in a cover-up. So they've got some things to work out. Presumably they will field a team. I would argue that of all of the teams that could uh, be splashed together last minute and be a medal contender, the men's team is not the one um, of the three. 
But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens mm -hmm. there. Um, I do wonder, Rachel, we saw, of course, that the World Juniors was it, the, the show must go on. And then they tried and then COVID and, you know, Rona, Omaria, Omarion and them said, uh, nah, we're not doing this. Um, but Rachel, one thing that you mentioned that I did want to get to world juniors is massive in the hockey world. It's an opportunity to see young talent up and coming from literally across the world. And I do think there's a lot more equity when it comes to talking about other national teams outside of North America, when it comes to world juniors, because of how, if we're being honest, players, international players uh, perform at the NHL level. But something else, and we, you know, alluded to the, the, the doorbell camera earlier, but between world championships, and Anne, you and I talked about this on the sled hockey side, between the cancellation of world championships, uh, all kinds of different um, boycotts for equity, and no U18s on the women's side for the last two seasons. The women's hockey landscape, Rachel, has looked very different since the last time that we had the Olympic tournament in 2018. In what ways do you think that will impact not just this roster, but how we feed the women's pipeline moving forward? I think it's been very difficult for some of the younger players to get, you know, what they can do out there because these top flight tournaments have been canceled or postponed and then never heard from again. Whereas, you know, they find a way to make the men's tournaments happen. And, you know, obviously even the world juniors was canceled, you know, in midstream, they at least tried to do it. And I, I think that, there's some sort of effort to try and reschedule it and kind of reboot world juniors. So I don't see why they can't do that for the U 18s and to have not had that opportunity for, and, and to your point, Erica, about not just USA and Canada, this is, you know, the Finnish national team, the Swedish national team, like other teams have quality hockey players on them. And the women's game is growing in quality around the world. And so to have, you know, the feeder system, much like World Juniors is in some ways to the NHL in terms of uh, a showcase for potential draftees, you need these U18 tournaments to be a showcase for potential Olympic teams. And to, to not have that, and then, you know, the, the doorbell cam from the last year that it did happen, where you just logged onto a stream with no commentary that was a fisheye lens that you couldn't even watch. I mean, how are, how is anybody supposed to get to know these players as fans? And then how are people supposed to, you know, market themselves as potential candidates for future Olympic teams? It's really tough. And we do see that we have some youngsters on, on this USA women's team, uh, Caroline Harvey and Abby Murphy at 19. The average age is 25.9 years old. So basically 26. Um, but we know that uh, there are, so there's some teenagers represented. Usually we do see a, a great deal of players that are still in the college system. That's been changing. I think on the women's side, at least USA hockey's actually been getting older. I think that is, if I'm being honest, because you still have Hillary Knight, Brianna Decker, Kendall Coyne Schofield playing. Um, I wonder what that's going to look like though. 
Yeah. Although I do want to give some props to Haley Skimura because she's been around. Like she played at Northeastern. She did, she was on the Buffalo Buttes in the NWHL for I think three years. Um, she's been skating with the PWHPA. Like she has been around and this is her first time on the Olympic team. And I am so happy and proud of her. So proud. Also, very thankful that you got that in there because. Regardless of how you feel, and we'll bring you up to snuff on all of that drama on another podcast. But regardless of how you feel, and Haley Skamura is the first member of a U.S. women's Olympic team to come through the domestic, as in the United States, professional league. That has never happened before because there never was a women's professional league in the United States. We had the CWHL, of course, which is Canadian-based, um, and there were players and athletes that represented the United States that played in the CWHL, Julie Chu, one of them, Hillary Knight. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But Haley Skimura is the first time we can say that because there was women's professional hockey in the United States, that now this athlete had an opportunity to enter into the senior women's national team program. And I think that is amazing. And, and why did I highlight that? We're all excited. <laughs> yeah, we're all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was not in the conversation when she was in college and she would not have had a shot were it not for the professional ranks. Absolutely. So you mean like there is a benefit to <laughs> women's professional sport? What? No, that can't be it. <laughs> Interesting. I will take that up with a uh, first name bunch of numbers on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it, it drives me crazy that you know oh well women's teams aren't that good like it's not they're not profitable one they you don't know that you don't know what these people's business side things look like uh number two when you are watching the some of the most talented players in the world through that little fish island and you're just supposed to squint and try to watch it, you, you're not getting anything from it. So, like, mm -hmm. last year when the NWHL playoffs were on Twitch and when that deal was announced, yeah. that was so exciting because I was still a newer fan and I didn't, I didn't know where to watch games or how to watch games. And to be able to bring people in, especially because it, was a, it is a free platform and then you get the ESPN Plus deal on top of it, there's so much available for you to watch when people actually want to put their money behind it. And that's a whole nother podcast. But this was fantastic. But uh, Jess, Anne, and Rachel, thank you so much for joining me to celebrate the women's national team, to ask a lot of questions as to who else is going to represent the United States. And we're just going to have to do it again because, you know, we're, we're counting down the days until we get to Beijing. It is definitely a different world from the last time we had a Winter Olympics. But uh, as with all of the Olympians and the staff, and of course, everyone, myself included, going to China, we want to make sure everyone stays as healthy and safe as possible. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Locked On. Flyers, Flames, Predators, and of course, Locked on Kraken, and we'll catch you sometime tomorrow.
All right. Once again, thank you to Erica Ayala for hosting that women's hockey discussion again with myself and Ann Kimmel, plus Jess Belmasto. And thanks, Russ, for bringing us that press conference audio. Always fun. That'll do it for our bonus episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. And thanks for listening to our bonus episode. Have a great day. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.